Welcome to the Ivy Church Podcast. Hello Ivy Church. Hello Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. Yamba Jamba. Karibuni Kalisani Ivy Church. Good to see you. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. I don't know what your experience of sports at school was like, but for me, it was pretty dismal. I was enthusiastic and competitive, but largely unskilled and lacking the basic requirement of hand-eye, or rather foot-eye coordination that was essential for the only sport our school really cared about, football. I was always the last to be picked, and the one time I was chosen by my PE teacher for a game against Kings Macclesfield, my fellow classmates did not hold back in expressing their surprise and disgust. Secondary school wasn't a huge amount better. While others went off enthusiastically to play 11 aside, I was left behind with a small group that played what was genuinely officially known by fellow students and teachers as reject football. 20 years on, it's still a little bit raw, so do pray for me. Now, you might be wondering, why am I telling you this story? Why am I going on about this? Because if you're anything like me, this is how many of us, I think, think about our relationship with God. We think we have to be good enough to make the team. We think we have to be good enough to stay on the team. The problem is, is that if you're always worrying about being dropped because you had a bad game, then you'll never actually relax and enjoy the game at all. You'll be constantly afraid of the coach and what they're going to say. You'll be worrying about what the other players think of you and you'll never play your best. You'll keep putting yourself on the bench or you might pack it in altogether. But there is good news for you today. And wherever you are on the journey of faith, the only thing that matters And if you remember nothing else today, it's this. God has chosen you. God wants to bless you. Now, with that in mind, one of the most important questions that any person really needs to find the right answer to is this. On what basis does God choose me? Or more simply, why does God choose me? Why does God choose to bless me? We're starting a new series that is going to take us through July called Every Blessing. Over the next five weeks, we're going to be unpacking the first chapter of an incredible letter in the New Testament. It's called Ephesians. In verse three of chapter one, Paul, who wrote the letter of Ephesians, writes this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing. What an incredible statement. Now, in the rest of this chapter, Paul summarises what those blessings are, and we're going to look at them over these next five weeks. So let's begin with a little bit of background. The letter we have here is called Ephesians because it was written from Ephesus. From the book of Acts, we know that Paul spent about two and a half years in Ephesus. When he arrived, he met a group of people 
who believed in Jesus, but they hadn't yet received the Holy Spirit, the gift of God coming and living in you. So Paul prayed for them and they received the Spirit. And then he started meeting with that little group every day, teaching them about the kingdom of God. And it says that during that time, everyone in the surrounding region of Asia Minor, now modern day Turkey, heard the good news of Jesus. Paul himself never left Ephesus. Scholars believe that all the churches mentioned later in the book of Revelation in in places like Pergamum, Smyrna, Thyatira and so on were planted by, by people Paul trained and sent out during that time. This is like watching a movement in action. I love that. And if God could do that with a group of 12 people 2,000 years ago, what could God do through us here in Manchester with all the opportunities and the resources and technology that we have? What could God do through you? Now, you might be wondering, why is any of this important? Because it helps us to understand why the book of Ephesians was written. Very simply, it was written to help new followers of Jesus in new churches, in new places, understand the fundamentals of the faith that they were now a part of. It covers everything in six short chapters. The first chapter sets out the foundations upon which the whole of our house of Christian faith is to be built. Now, my son, Freddie, went through a stage when he loved uh, building towers out of little wooden blocks like this. But he didn't understand that a carpet is not a good foundation to build a tower on uh, because it's uneven. And he got pretty frustrated when it kept falling over. In the same way, in my experience, until we establish our life of faith following Jesus on the right foundation, it really doesn't matter what else we know about God or do for God because we'll find our faith is shaky or that it's very stop-start, or that we think we need to keep starting over when something has gone wrong. The foundations are really important. In this chapter, Paul outlines the blessings that we have been given through Jesus, five new realities for anyone who believes in Jesus, and they function as the foundations of our faith. So let's read it together, and let's find out what they are. So it starts in verse three. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included 
in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Wow. So there we are. Here are the five blessings. Let's say these together. Number one, we are chosen in Christ. We are adopted in Christ. We are redeemed in Christ. We are included in Christ. We are sealed in Christ. A few key things to say about these blessings, these new realities. Number one, it is God who made them happen. It, see, in this passage, it's God who's done all of these things. In that paragraph, we are entirely passive. It is only God that is active. Our only role, it seems, is to believe that they have happened. And even then, our ability to believe comes from God. Number two, they all have already happened. They are all past tense. They are all things that have happened. They are not things that could happen. They are not things that might happen. He has blessed us. It's already done. It's already happened. Do you realise that? Number three, they cannot unhappen. None of these things can unhappen. They are permanent, fixed realities. They cannot unhappen any more than I could be unborn. Number four, it has all happened in Christ. All of these blessings have come to us in Christ. We are chosen in Christ and for Christ and through Christ. God's love has been revealed in Christ. This is really important. I'm going to say something potentially controversial. What matters is not that we believe in God. Many people do that are not Christians. What matters is that you believe in Jesus Christ. We are Christians, not Godians. It has all happened in Christ. And that's good news because it also means that because we didn't do anything to make these things happen in the first place, we can't do anything to make them unhappen now. Number five, how I feel about them doesn't change whether they have happened or not. Understanding, embracing, living out these realities may result in feelings of joy or hope, but whether you feel chosen or feel adopted does not determine whether you actually are or not. Any more than me not feeling like a citizen of the United Kingdom changes the fact that I am. These are realities simply to be embraced and lived out. It is God who made them happen. They have all already happened. They cannot unhappen. They have all happened in Christ and how we feel about them doesn't change whether they have happened or not. How incredible is that? How free, how reassuring. So let's take a look at the first one. It says this, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. God chose us in Christ. So there are four questions that I want us to ask as we approach this verse. Number one, what has God done? Number two, how has he done it? Number three, when did he do it? 
And four, why did he do it? So firstly, what has God done? God has chosen us. He has chosen you. Point to yourself and say, God has chosen me. Now point to the person next to you and say, God has chosen you. Paul does not begin with, for we chose God. He begins with, for he chose us. Naturally, we would be tempted to say that God blesses us and shows us his kindness because we chose him. But that's not what Paul says. It all begins with God chose us. John, one of Jesus' closest followers, writes this in his first letter. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. On what basis does God choose me? Why does God love me and bless me? Simply because God has decided that he wants to love and bless you. If you choose God, it's because you realise he has already chosen you. This is really important because the reality is our natural tendency is to reject God. This is, what the, this is the essence of what the Bible calls sin. It's not so much that we uh, think, say and do things that are not consistent with the ways and love of God. It's much deeper than that. It's that left on our own devices, we reject God and go our own way because we think we know better and the rest just follows. What this passage and the rest of scripture tells us is we are chosen by God irrespective of anything we have ever said or done in fact, it's even more astounding than that. It's like we are chosen by God even though we naturally have rejected him. Now, I think that one of the reasons we struggle with this idea of being chosen is that we're conditioned to understand our chosenness primarily in terms of what other people say about us, whether that's our parents or teachers, our friends, our bosses. You know, it's like if we're beautiful, we are chosen. If we're ugly, we're not. If we're clever, we are chosen. And if we're not, we're not. If we achieve our sales targets, we are chosen. If we do not, we are not. And if we do what people want and expect of us all the time, then we're chosen. And if not, we are not. And as I've been reflecting on this passage over the last couple of weeks, um, I found myself thinking about my son Freddie's shape sorter. And I think we're a bit like this cylinder. And I fit perfectly in this hole. But what happens when I don't fit in? In my experience, I have two options. I can either force myself to conform to the shape that others want me to be so that I fit in, which sometimes works, but sometimes will not. Or I can just throw myself away, assuming that I'm worthless and no use to anyone. But there is a third option. And if I can grasp, with God's help, that I'm chosen by God, I can confidently be who God has made me to be and do what God has asked me to do, and I can relax and be free from worrying about whether that's the same as what others want me to be and expect me to be and do. So number one, what has God done? He has chosen us. Number two, how has he done it? For he chose us in 
Christ. It is not just that we are chosen, we are chosen in Christ. Jesus Christ is God's big yes to you. And Jesus Christ is God's big yes to the world. God has chosen us in and through and for our Lord Jesus Christ, who came, lived, died and rose again, so that those who believe in him might be rescued from all the effects and consequences of sin and instead receive honour and the fullness and abundance of his blessing. This is the outrageous love and kindness of God revealed through his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I am not normally a betting man, but I would be prepared to bet my life savings, such as they are, that the majority of the time, we think that God thinks of us in terms of what we have done and live in what the brilliant Christian author Jerry Bridges describes as the good day, bad day mentality. On a good day, when we're doing well in life, faith, work and relationships, when we're being a good person, we believe that God will bless us and that he is for us. But then on a bad day, when we don't feel like we're doing very well, maybe we're tired or had an argument on the way to church or haven't been praying as much as we feel we ought, then God will not bless us. And we're not really sure whether he loves us or not. This is the other major reason why we struggle to grasp our chosenness, to understand that we have been chosen in Christ is to get rid of that way of thinking entirely. I've been a Christian for nearly nine years and I'm only just beginning to grasp how significant this new reality is. For so long, I've relied on my sense of passion or my feelings in worship or how well I am at doing at praying or when I last talked to someone about Jesus as the gauge of my relationship with God. So when I'm doing well, it's fine. But when I'm not doing well, it's awful. And I find that I put myself under enormous pressure to do better and try harder to live up to this standard that I've created for myself. When I'm living in the good day, bad day mentality, I find that I am very up and down and up and down. But this is not the joyful confidence that God has secured for us in Christ. If you are in Christ, if you've said yes to him, then you have to understand that when God looks at you, it is not in terms of what you have done or achieved for him. If you are in Christ, God looks at you in terms of what he has done and achieved for you in Christ. Yes, you will have good days and yes, you will have bad days. We all do. But the coach is never going to turn around to you and say, you dropped. For he chose us in Christ. Thirdly, when did he do it? When did he choose us? What do you think the answer is? Was it when I stopped doing ABC and started doing XYZ? Was it when I gave my life to Jesus and got baptised? Was it when my parents had me christened? Was it when I was born? When did God choose me? Well, it's none of those. It says this, for he chose us in Christ before the creation of the world. Before God thought about creating the world, he thought about creating you and me. 
Before we ever existed on this earth, we existed in his heart and in his mind. And he looked at us and said, I want you, I choose you. Let's just take a moment to let the Father say these words to us. Before the creation of the world, I chose you. The final question is, why? It says this, to be holy and blameless in his sight. The word holy means other or different. It is simply a word that describes what God is because he is so different to us. When all words fail to describe how amazing he is, holy is the word that we use. Do you see where this is going? In his letter, the incarnation of the word, Athanasius, the Egyptian theologian and church father from the fourth century, when explaining God's ultimate purpose in coming to earth in Christ, wrote these incredible words. He became as we are so that we might become as he is. God has chosen us so that like Jesus, we would become the perfect representatives of his own perfect love and goodness in the world. That is how he sees us now. And that is who we are destined to become because God has chosen us to be so and he will make it happen. The word blameless is it's like because of what God has achieved for us in Christ, it means that all the things that we have done that we give ourselves a hard time about or we regret or struggle to come to terms with in our own lives, if you are in Christ, God doesn't see it. It's not that those things don't match anymore, they do, but they are not the final word. And over time, our lives change and as, as God makes us more and more like Jesus. Do you see, do you understand that God is like the coach that isn't counting how many times you've missed a goal or fouled someone. More than that, he's the coach that sees you as if you were the greatest player that ever lived. And that is who he's making you into. You, you might laugh at that. You might think I'm being outrageous. But this is just a glimpse of what it means to be in Christ. This is the great comfort and joy that God wants for us all to grasp. He has chosen you to be part of his team. He picked you first and you are not getting dropped. That means you are free to play and enjoy the game. Final word. You might ask, how can I be absolutely sure of all of this, Tim? It sounds great, but how do I know for certain? Very simple. By looking to the cross of Jesus Christ. This moment when Jesus chose to embrace mankind in the moment of our total rejection of him. He knows exactly what we're like. He's not surprised by anything. He has chosen us at our very worst so that he can give us his very best. God has determined to do good to us regardless and in spite of anything we might have done, good or bad. And that is the end of the matter. Do you see why this is really the only solid foundation to rest our faith upon? For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Amen.